Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Film Freaks. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. The first one is the one and only, we'll start ladies first, Jen. How you doing, Jen? Um, Pretty awesome. Really super excited that we got to watch the second part of Hamilton. Um, I have to say, Josh, I take my hat off to you. This was the very most perfect film to watch, so... You have all my love and admiration. Aw. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Wait, all of your love and admiration? Well, That's right, none at, for you, Kente. At, at this very moment, yes. I'm very emotional, so, yeah. All right, and we also have the good... <laughs> the, the good man who picked this movie, <laughs> uh, who has all of Jen's love and admiration... Josh, how you doing? I am. Um, I'm a wreck, and I'm an absolute wreck. Wow. I uh, I, I can't uh, even listening just to the to the um, original you know recordings on Spotify. Plus, now that it's available on Disney Plus, watching it, I, I can't get through it without just you know being dust filled room position it's it's oh part two was such an emotional journey wow uh interesting well uh, <laughs> I, I feel the same way for the record I absolutely feel the same way really that's interesting yeah. I don't know I mean maybe I'm not human I mean, it was great. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like crying or anything like that. You guys probably cry at Bambi. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, it was it was good. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I liked Act One be- a lot better. I was more into that. But uh, Act Two, I mean, they were both great. So you can't go wrong with either one. And forgive me for sweating. It's hot as a beep in in here. So oh, yeah, uh, here. yeah. So. Uh, Okay, so Act 2, right? Mm-hmm. Um, me, as I was saying, you know, I actually uh, enjoyed Act 1 more. I, and I, and from what I gather from most people, most people are, are feel opposite. They're more, a lot of people seem to like the Act 2 even better. But one thing I have to say, though, for Leslie Odom Jr., how cool is it to you get to kill your boss uh, every night. That's got to be pretty cool, right? <laughs> How many times you get that option, right? Do you get to shoot your boss every night? Him, uh, and, him and Stone Cold Steve Austin have that distinct pleasure. <laughs> right. You know, it's pretty funny. Um, but uh, I noticed that, um, you know, I mean, one thing that I got from Act 2 you know, much like Act One is, it's just the numbers are just so outstanding, you know, and mm-hmm. they do this great thing of build this real big build up, and then you know, kind of going quiet a little bit with the stuff, and then it just gets this crescendo, you know what I mean? And uh, that's one thing that they do quite well, and then there's moments of laughter 
there's moments of you know of um just pure entertainment that you know it's just really awesome you know so uh i want to um let's start with you jen um act two uh how would you describe act two versus act one as far as the way that it flowed and and all that uh without getting into the ending because we'll save that for last okay well so i think partly act one is a lot more um it's a little bit more jovial it's got quite a bit more levity to uh, to all of the numbers and also just the music kind of works at a slightly faster clip. Um, but also, we're all very aware of the first part of Hamilton as history. We all know that history really well. You know, we know the revolution. We know the Boston Tea Party. We know a lot of this. And the second act, we're introduced to really the meat of Alexander Hamilton as his life progresses after the revolution. And I feel like that is sort of, first of all, I feel like that's the whole point of Hamilton. But secondly, it's it's sort of unknown history, so it takes on a bit more of, uh, of something, I don't know, it's not somber necessarily, but it's very dramatic. It's very powerful and heavy. And, uh, you know, if you know the real story of Alexander Hamilton, I mean, there's they follow a lot. They glamorize a lot, obviously. I mean, it's a Broadway show. Um, but there is something so special about, especially that line that says, you know, hey, look, we know all the other founding fathers. Why don't we know Alexander Hamilton? I mean, the guy that's on the $10 bill, why is he there? What do we even know about him? And after this, after the second act, we understand what his place in history was. And I think that the music all of the numbers for the second half really uh, they, they go a very long way in helping us to feel how influential he was not just unto himself but unto the government and all of the other people that we know by history we know who they are Aaron Burr, Thomas Jefferson um, George Washington we get this sense of, uh, of who he is to them as well so you know touching on all of their stuff and what made him important to them i i i have to say that the the emotional journey of the second part of hamilton is so it's poignant in a way because i think you know we're so used to hearing about almost you know mythic kind of people people that are in our historical legend as not being quite as human as they portray Hamilton to be. And that's why I think it's so emotionally moving because he does feel intensely human. And I, I, in some ways, I feel like that's the total success of this play is it takes a character that we don't know very much about, explains his legacy, <clears throat> creates a humanity around him and doesn't leave out a lot, um, some stuff, but not a lot, that makes him look bad. You know, they they go there. They just say, this is what it was all about. And I really, really admire that so much. So m my overall take of the second part of Hamilton is it is astounding 
I see why, you know, the comparison to the first part of it is it can be a little bit daunting. Um, but again, I feel like that's where all the meat is. So that's what I thought. Okay, that was very well said. Uh, what about you, Josh? Would it uh, compare Act 1 and Act 2 for you? Well, I think Jen's spot on when she says that the first act is it's, it's more jovial. It's celebratory of the setup and victory when it comes to the Revolutionary War. But, of course, we know that's going to happen. It's, it's, it's expected. And everything kind of leads to that point. It's, it's less about Alexander himself and more about him, you know, with his friends and, and his, his group and what they did to help bring independence to this or to create this nation. The, the second act is definitely far more personal, but it all builds every single moment, builds to one specific moment in time. Um, like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, from, you know, Jefferson uh, coming into play, Washington, uh, even when uh, King George comes out and sticks around, you know, for... Uh, the number about the Adams administration. It, it's all setting up for what everybody knows is coming. Um, and now, as, as far as what's better, uh, the first act or the second act, uh, they're, they're almost like two completely different animals. The, the first act has a lot of great tunes in it you know a lot of good stuff to sing along to jam to it it's a tremendous first act the second act is the stuff that just rips your heart apart because you're going from <laughs> to oh so quick and it, it's not like it just happens once where you're lifted up and then let down it is you're picked up uh, you know, nice little um, tune from you know Thomas Jefferson, What I Miss. Uh, and then everything that happens afterwards is just up and down, up and up and down. It, it's, it's a crazy ride. And I have no idea how, how you got through it without, you know, having the, the you know, ugly face. Well, you know... So can I add something to that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Um, we as a Western audience participants are very used to seeing timelines in plays and stories, movies, all kinds of things in either three or three modified acts. And we are accustomed in a lot of ways to time expectations according to that so Hamilton sort of breaks all of those rules and obviously makes it super interesting but the but I think that the um, the unique aspect of this is that the story itself does not have a specific rise fall climax resolution and coda it just doesn't exist inside of that there are some elements that we could you know loosely attribute to those 
pieces, but they, the, the, the play itself really, although it is linear in its progression, it doesn't really give us the, the sense of, okay, uh, here, this is what's going to happen. We know that we're heading toward this. Um, and then we get a little mini reprieve and then there's something else. Hamilton does this thing where each individual story, each individual number gives us kind of like a mini play inside of the play. And sometimes I think that that is why the second act especially is so powerful because each one of those, especially the longer numbers, creates this sense of tension that doesn't necessarily get relieved when the next number starts. So we are still working on the tension that was left over as legacy from the previous number, and then we move right into the next, and we are still sort of holding our breath about what is going to happen. It's actually, I mean, this is so rare. It really doesn't happen very often that you can make this work because audiences do not want to participate in that. They need something a little bit more. It's, I mean, I hate saying ADD, but you know, they, there is a sort of attention issue with not giving people a chance to catch their breath and then refocus and then start again. I mean, we see that in a lot of stuff. We see it in Marvel movies all the time. Um, and, and this was just so incredibly unique and, and it really, the second act really brings it forward. Right? Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. I, uh, I'm with you on it. I think it. You know, like I said, I think it's great. I think the um, everything about it. I mean, you know, we'll, you know, we'll just be really echoing what we said in the first episode. Uh, I think it's tremendous. Uh, I, you know, I, me personally, I just prefer the first act as far as everything. You know, there. Um, whereas, I mean, but that's like arguing which kid you like the most, even though for some uh, some parents it's pretty easy uh, to uh, to make that argument. Whichever um, kid's in the room right now. Is that how it goes? Yeah, just whoever's kind of standing over your shoulder. They, of course, are. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so um, let's start with King George, right? King George is a, a great character. Uh very funny every time he comes on the scene you know you just get a big chuckle and uh the uh he always ends the the song with the the, what is it da 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 or whatever something like that (laughs) (laughs) every song of his kind of goes into that and uh i i've i've been watching a lot of interviews with lynn uh what's his name lynn manuel miranda and Mm -hmm. uh he was talking about how doing the play in England, you know, how, you know, because he was kind of worried at first, like, how was it going to play as far as, because you're, you know, shitting on one of their old, you know, kings, right? And they were cracking up. They loved it. You know, they actually enjoyed uh, seeing old King George get, you know, getting it, you know? So it's funny. You have to also think about, like, every great victory that's like a great moment as far as a victory it's someone else's worst day, you know, or mm-hmm. worst time. So, uh, just as a real quick side note, um, just to, to use a sports analogy, um, the Lakers won a, a big time playoff game. Um, 
by a, a player named Derek Fisher hit a shot with 0.4 seconds left. He went, he shoot, he makes this incredible shot. They win the game and they go on to win the series. It's a great moment in LA. Like if you say 0.4 seconds, everybody in LA know what you're talking about, right? So that moment has always been seen here in LA as like the, one of the great moments, right? And one time I went to San Antonio. I spent some time in San Antonio, and because uh, they had beat San Antonio with the point four, and uh, the playoffs were coming up, and they were showing a commercial, and they show like the great moments in playoff history, and I was in a bar, and they showed the point four second thing, and everybody in the bar was like, "Turn that people," you know, they were like, and I never thought about it from their point of view, like. You know, we all get really excited when we see it. But when you're, you know, in San Antonio, it's like the worst moment ever. So uh, it's uh, just to draw the parallel of, um, you know, in America, obviously kicking the British butt is a great moment, right? For a lot of people. So in England, you know what I'm saying? Like, how does that play? You know, how does that... uh, you know, that's not one of their great moments, <laughs> you know, in history, <laughs> you well, know, you know, I'm going to I'm going to piggyback something on that and say that um, Hamilton is such an amazing success story all by itself, because in, in that very same vein that you're talking about, right, uh, there's a lot of diversity in this country that doesn't ever get represented uh, when we talk about especially the Revolutionary War, you know, the the old colonial history, the founding of this nation. I think I said this in the first part of our podcast. It's always dead white guys. And so we tend to represent sort of this idea that that only dead white guys can basically, you know, be a part of all of this. And, And it really is an amazing kind of flip to see a cast of just such incredible diversity but also it 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 is this is quintessentially why people get turned off of history i think sometimes because there is no representation even lightly that talks about uh the things that inside hamilton become you know kind of quiet inside jokes but they're essential to how we see this so like you said you know in another place hey we don't see but in our own country this is the way it is some people are so turned off of even thinking about history like this because it is just not ever represented in a way that is that feels inclusive and hamilton does something so amazing there it it, to me that is even more astounding again second act versus first act because of the characters that they are so much larger than life and they have this incredible amount of diversity. So I think also that's probably why you guys, you two was so, it was so emotional to you where it wasn't emotional to me because there's a whole other aspect to this story that is not really represented. I mean, you know, they, they say little, parts you know here and there about you know um about slavery and whatnot but so it's hard for me to get really emotionally into it because i understand the other part of it when it comes to my my ancestors 
that, you know, for me to get really excited about Alexander Hamilton like that, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, eh, okay, you know. I, I, I do. That, that's totally why I bring it up. I was raised on the East Coast. I was absolutely, I, I was raised in a way that was, hey, you know, field trips to the Freedom Bell, field trips to Plymouth Rock, um, understanding the origins of the 13 colonies and the things that came before that were like intrinsic almost to my upbringing by the time that I was seven years old. And that deep relationship with that history, to me, is, it's, of course, that is why I have such an emotional response to the whole thing. But I am going to say, sort of put a bubble around that and say, I, I think that the story of Alexander Hamilton, if you just sort of pull who Alexander Hamilton is out of it and divorce it of history, if you possibly could, the play stands by itself as the story of a guy. I don't care who you think he is. It stands by itself, even without the historical ties, because it is so well told. It is such a human drama that it could have been anybody going through that. And I still think we all would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. You know, it, it's amazing. It's very well done. All of that. I'm just saying that if it was the story of Nat Turner, then it would have more of an emotional, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. so, yeah, so when I see Thomas Jefferson, he's not a hero to me, you know, right. uh, you know, some of these people that they're referencing are the opposite of heroes to me. So they're, you know what I mean? So for me to get emotionally, uh, invested in their stories is, you know, it, it's, it's a hard leap for me personally to make. Uh, understanding their story, you know, as you know, Thomas Jefferson was a complete dirtbag. You know, he was he he's somebody that, um, you know, it would be like, for me, it would be like, if a Jewish person, if they did like, you know, uh, like it's like if you do Schindler's List, right? The um, the uh, musical, but then they also have Ger- Goebbels, you know in there you know and it's like you know they're doing singing numbers with gerbils and it's like you know like uh you know you know what i'm saying so it's it's you know it's like part of me is like thomas jefferson's on the screen and i'm like fuck that guy <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's hard for me to that's maybe that why i didn't get emotionally into it uh i can appreciate the music and the dancing and the singing and the artistry and I, it's so great to see people of color on Broadway doing their thing. And, you know, it's remarkable. It's a it's a huge accomplishment that uh, Lynn manuel Miranda has made. And the cast is great. The costume is great. The costuming is great. The dancing, the, you know, the musical numbers. It's remarkable. And it's one of those few things in our society that lives up to the hype. A hundred percent, you know, I've been hearing for the last six years how, you know, you got to see Hamilton. Right. So. um, So, like I said, it's lived up to it. I'm glad I, I finally got a chance to see it. But, you know, as a student of history, specifically uh, that history, um, 
I'm very familiar with Alexander Hamilton. Like, there's very few things that were in this story that I didn't already know just from, you know, just knowing about history. Uh, some of the stuff with the sisters was um, eye-opening as well as... Um, as well as, uh, you know, there's some little things here and there. And I know he took a lot of, you know, dramatic license as well. With, yeah, because did he also have an affair with one of the Skyler sisters as well? Talking about Alexander Hamilton? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, from I, what I, I understand, it's historians are, like, mixed on... Some believe they, they did, some believe that they were just no more than just pen pals or friends or something like that. And the uh, thing hmm. they do know is like when it comes, you know, in the first act, it was the, uh, the winter's ball at that point in time when they had just met Angelica was already married. Right. Right. And in, in fact, there are, are revelations still coming out about uh, things that happened back then, especially when it comes to, you know, everything that happened with the Reynolds uh, some are some historians are saying that they don't believe Hamilton actually had an affair that it was um, better than the actual truth coming out about some financial uh, issues. I've I've actually heard that too. I've heard that suggested, and it, it does kind of make a, a lot of sense based on what we know about the uh, about the history and and also about the way that Hamilton published ahead of time sort of his mea culpa um there are some things that sort of make you take pause and go "Mm, yeah that is definitely super odd the the one thing about hamilton that you know they they touch on it they get it and and for that i'm super grateful because i think that as interesting as alexander hamilton's life is what we understand his legacy to be now is still in effect. We still have the same exact, well, not exact, but we still have the same spirit of the system of credits between the states and the federal government. And that is an amazing thing to have 200 plus years later. That foundation of how we understand what the state's uh, fiduciary responsibility to the federal government is and then what the federal government then gives to the states, it's huge. I mean, we can't sort of overlook that piece. That is the genius of who, and and, you know, it's small in the play because it's a play about who he is as a person, not necessarily just all his accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that you could make something so compelling about you know, uh, backroom deals and, you know, and, uh, you know, like the United the... States first accountant. Right. Right. You know, it's <laughs> right. like, uh, you know, it's, it's in a way like, uh, I guess it's like, a uh, I guess it was the Ozark of its day, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and and th- if you think about it from a uh, just a practical standpoint, it's like who sits there and reads a book about Alexander Hamilton and says, you know, let's make a great hip hop musical. Like that's just crazy. I can think of one guy. Well, obviously, right? You know, but uh, I mean, who even would think that that's a good idea? Like you have to be somewhat 
crazy, right? To to go, great freaking idea. We're gonna do uh, Hamilton, you know, Alexander Hamilton, a hip hop musical. It's b- bananas. But he did it. He played it. He, you know, I mean, I'm interested to see what his next thing is. I don't know if it's if there's anything in the pipeline or anything. Well, the film adaption of In the Heights is supposed to come out this year. Right, right. So, um, I mean, but that's what he did before, though. I mean, yeah. But what's his next thing? Is he going to do um, Hamilton, uh, the sequel? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, God, I hope not. where it's like, uh, you know, him in purgatory or something? I don't know. <laughs> now, um, Kitty, I want to circle around to something real quick. You sure. know, you're talking about the founding fathers and, and heroes. One of the things that, at least in, in my opinion, I, as I watched, was how in this production I can think of only one character that is perceived in like a hero light and I'm not counting like any of the Skyler sisters or anything like that not that they're you know less important to the story but I mean just given the hero stance like a a historical hero because of course Eliza, Angelica uh, heroes for protecting, preserving, and carrying on Hamilton's legacy. Um, But the only one that I really think gets cast in an almost flawless light is Washington. Yeah. Everybody else, even Hamilton, uh, is, has dirt uh, on their name in this production. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, while, yeah, it, it could be said his everything was kind of downplayed and his tunes were more upbeat and his um, you know, Debbie Diggs performance was more lighthearted, you know, with his reactions to certain things you know, the the, the letter that, you know is being read from uh, uh, Reynolds and he's like, whoa, <laughs> you know he's like, let me see that I don't think anybody escapes this musical um, except, you know, Washington and the Skylar Sisters. Uh, Untouched, untarnished. And I think that's really unusual because, you know, a lot of times, especially when it comes to the Founding Fathers, there is a false image of just being squeaky clean uh, presented as the narrative. Personally, uh, I was in seventh grade, I think it was, when I read my first um, biography on Thomas Jefferson, and it made mention of him uh, attempting to rape his neighbor uh, (laughs) while holding a pair of scissors. Right. And that absolutely blew my mind, because... When when do they talk about this in the history books? The answer is they don't. I did not get a good grade because I actually, uh, you know, focused on things like that and not, you know, when you're in school, you, you have this cookie cutter thing you're supposed to do about these are the accomplishments. This person was born, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're not taught to actually dig deep and, and do actual Research, but research, me search. <laughs> I wanted to know what you thought about the fact that, in, or at least in my opinion, that yeah, yeah, 
it may be a bit of a glorification as usual, but everybody also got some dirt on their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, me personally, George Washington is just as big of a dirt bag. He he was horrible to Af- uh, black people uh, who were his slaves. Uh, I mean, it's very widely known. He was a monster. And so, you know, so like, look, I, I'm not stupid, right? I understand their contributions to American history, right? You can't mm-hmm. ignore that. You know, so I'm, you know, I realize that and I see it. And obviously it's, you know, it's valid, right? It's just that it's just hard for me as a black person to like idolize. Yeah, I don't idolize them at all, you know, because all I can see is, is, uh, you know, what my, my people went through, you know, like, like, you know, it, it's, you know, for some people, it's just like, well, they were flawed human beings, you know, you know, like that's kind of the attitude most people just have is like, oh, they were flawed. You know, that's not how I look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like the way I look at it is they were fucking monsters, you know, who, 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 treat, who treated, uh, you know, my my ancestors like trash, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, they did great things. They did tremendous things. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just hard for me as a um as an african american to Roman Polanski makes great movies right He makes great mo- you know what that's a great a great uh comp Uh Roman Polanski is one of my favorite filmmakers you know I love Chinatown is a terrific film I I love that movie you know but he was a dirtbag he well he is a dirtbag he's still alive <laughs> uh he was a dirtbag right he you know who lives lived a lives well i guess he lives he's lived an interesting life uh there's this great documentary about his uh about him um i don't know if you guys ever seen it it's this great documentary about roman polanski and his story is amazing but he's you know he was a dirtbag you know so so uh mm -hmm. wait i want i just want to mention one thing Uh, because uh, again you know from where I, from where I come from, I, I am always looking at story through the the lens of uh, sort of where we are in history, and then quantify that with Joseph Campbell, right? And so when I see Hamilton, what I see right now in our where we are on our sociological timeline is Hamilton is a wonderful transition piece that helps us to get from how we see things, like Josh said. You know, squeaky clean. The founding fathers have no dirt on them. This is just the the shining example of where we came from, and these should be our heroes. To pivoting, but in a way that gives us some transition mode, because I think it is really hard to take the entirety of what we have all learned as history and just scrap it and say, no, absolutely, we can't even be thinking about all of this stuff anymore. We have. It's like we have to sort of chunk things out a little bit. And Hamilton does this amazing job of being a transition point where we can laugh irreverently at some of the ridiculousness that we now understand was who those people were because they were not good people all. But because but we can still celebrate the the ideals that that 
are that the country itself was founded on. So we can still say that the Declaration of Independence was an amazing document. And look who gets the credit for it. Not Thomas Jefferson. And I, and I feel like these are the things that slowly work their way into what we understand in terms of our, the, the, our culture and then see that in our history. Like it, we can't do it all in one giant swath. So we need stories like this to help us reimagine what things might be, have been like so that we can get a better idea of how things really were and make choices ourselves about how we're going to learn this history. Do, I, does that make sense? I, I mean, I know I'm trying to say something really super huge and I'm using sort of a really tiny little foundation to do it, but I hope that that makes some level of sense because this to me is actually enormous in terms of where we are as storytellers all together. The idea that Hamilton is successful on any level means we are all ready for new transition stories to tell the story of who we were as a people, what our mistakes were, why things were so bad, why people were so bad, and how we can be better people going forward. Yeah, I mean, look, right, as I've said, bunch of times Hamilton the musical is awesome you know it's very well done it is you know uh, it's a tour de force you know and and Lin-Manuel deserves all the credit that he's getting for it you know just tremendous it's just that you know I just find it interesting that, you know, you guys got to the end of it and you guys were like all in tears and stuff. And I'm like completely, I don't have that same, you know, I'm just saying that I don't have the same, you know what I mean? Like it didn't make me cry. Like it was just like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know? So, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't have the same um, attachment, I guess, to, to, uh, to this. You know what I mean? Like I mean, not- for me, it wasn't a, a matter of, the historical context as much as the personal drama of you know uh, one friends that became enemies uh, two someone losing their child uh, three someone losing their marriage mm-hmm. and four eventually someone losing their life and everything building up to that moment you know asking the question over and over again why do you write like you're running out of time you know it's it's the answer is because he is and and of course he doesn't know that but uh, the fact of the matter is for me it is just like like Jen said earlier it, it could have been anybody going on this journey and I would have had that emotional attachment and I would have been along for the ride. If if it, um, if it was the the uh, Adolf Hitler story, come on now, you wouldn't be like <laughs> when he's in the bunker. You wouldn't be like. <laughs> well, that's a bit of an extreme example. Also, 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 if I if I could be so bold as to say this, right? Uh-huh. The, the the things that 
Alexander Hamilton went through that made him human uh-huh. were the things that we all can empathize and be compassionate through because we've experienced them or know somebody who's experienced them or felt as if we were in his position. That is not to say that we are all genius lawyers who are penning you know, hundreds of essays throughout our lives, but we've all experienced loss. We've all experienced what it means to uh, to feel a sense of betrayal. We've all understood kind of, you know, turning the corner when it comes to who your friends are and reevaluate. Those are the things that make the, especially the second act so emotional. But I'm going to say this, it wouldn't be as emotional if we didn't have the first act to give us the sense of, uh, levity and hope that we needed to have in order to make it through the second half. That was so essential. So in some ways, you're right. Yes. Maybe if it was, you know, a really terrible person in history, we wouldn't feel this way. But I feel like Alexander Hamilton's story could have been all, a lot of other people and we still would have felt the very same depth of connection because it's the human part of his story that is amazing. The history piece is something that's like a, a strata on top of that. So you can skip that strata if that's not where you're at, but you can't skip the fact that somebody who loses a child who and, and who loses a child over a duel because of, I mean, there are just some things in there that just rip your heart out because they are who we are as people, not who we came from in history. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, great musical. Enjoyed it. Um, can't wait to see what the next thing is uh, from him. Uh, I know he did Moana. Um, he was in um, Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. Right, Mary Poppins. He did Kirby Enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a very delightful human being. That he seems like mm-hmm. um, who really cares about not only his work his you know his art but also his community he's given back you know quite a bit um he took the he took the musical to puerto rico and um you know to uh help people you know after the um, disaster and um you know that's just you know you, you can't take away from his talent you know? and uh it's so funny though because he hadn't done it in two years when uh, it was going to Puerto Rico and he was talking about how he didn't remember the, uh, he he didn't remember everything and he was like kind of nervous. He was on some, I can't remember what talk show I I heard him and he was saying like other people knew the lyrics better than he did, you know? (laughs) And he was just like, yeah. So, and you know, so, uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, it's pretty funny, but let's talk about the the, the ending duel, um, which is a very emotional scene, and what a great cl- you know. Sometimes, as a writer, if you're drawing from history, right, certain it, things in society, literally, like it gives you everything you need, right? And his story does give you everything you need. You have. A guy comes from meager beginnings. You know, he has love affairs. 
the political thing. He has, um, you know, his life intertwines with great uh, characters in history, right? The intrigue. And then his death, he, he ends with a damn, uh, you know, um, uh, a duel where he's murdered. I mean, like it gives like, literally he gave everybody a great, you know, he's like, I literally gave you guys an Oscar winning film about my <laughs> life, you know, literally, you know, like, like, duh, make my movie. Right. I get, I died young. He was like 47, I believe in a duel. What better freaking ending as a writer, right? We're all, I think we're all writers here. Uh, what better ending to a movie <laughs> do you get about a person that a dude dies in a duel? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I can see why it's like the idea of doing a um, musical about Alexander Hamilton, especially a hip hop one. Hey, what's up, Lauren? Uh, it's like when you start breaking down the bits of his life, then you go, you know, it's not that crazy. <laughs> you know, like it, then it becomes when you really like, you know, what a great ending to a story. You, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I just wanted to uh, to get your your take on that. You know, the the way that they framed it and the way that, you know, because everything is obviously building up to it uh, and it, it really hits the mark. So uh, we'll start off with you, Josh. Uh, talk about that. Okay, the, the final duel, the third one uh, that we see in this musical. You know, it would be really easy to just have two people aim and fire. But when it breaks down, when time stops, and you have Hamilton reflecting and talking about his legacy and really putting into perspective... You know, everything you had just seen, the work that he's done, how legacies a garden that you don't get to see grow. And and on the flip side, you have Burr, who is trying to, I don't know if justify is the right word, but definitely, you know, give some sort of credence to how he didn't want to do it and how he... Well, as he said, you know, Hamilton's not going to make an orphan of his daughter. Uh, how he had a, a personal... He had, he had a vested interest in surviving, I guess you could say. Um, and But as far as the way they pulled it off, the, the turntable on the stage, uh, doing its thing in, in Burr, uh, moving in, in and out in the background and, you know, all of the other performers um, acting like an explosion's happening because, you know, the world uh, has just changed forever. It, it was beautifully done and I, I can't I can't watch it without you know, feeling uh I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know what I feel. I, I get misty-eyed every time because this is the end of this guy's road, his life. Of course, it's not the end of his story, uh, which is the whole point of what happens next. 
But as far as just the duel, it was an amazing um, piece of what it what it performance performance art, dropping the music, um, Hamilton. It, I, I don't know. Words escape me when it comes to this. When this piece, it's it, it is beautiful. Oh, this this. If, if we go back to our original, uh, when we did the original part one of Hamilton, uh-huh. Kinte asked us uh, at the end, "What are you looking forward to the most in part two? And this is this scene is exactly what I was talking about when I said the duel with Aaron Burr. Um, and the reason that it's not that I look forward to it like gleefully, oh yay! Um, it is. It, it has that scene. I think brings every loose thread that was sort of left out for us to wonder where is it going to go, and it cinched everything into place. It 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 gave us the ending of Alexander Hamilton's life. It gave us the, what we understand as the deep shame. And uh, actually Aaron Burr was really angry that people um, were upset with him at killing Alexander Hamilton. That was just a, that was insane. Um, But it also gives us the beginning of how, Alexander Hamilton's real legacy begins. And once again, just even divorcing yourself from the history of this and just putting into play the human storytelling that exists in that moment in in like Kinte said, you know, the the way that it is just such a perfect narrative end to uh to the the whole story. There is something both, like Josh said, performative art-wise, that is spectacular about seeing those end moments. And, you know, one of the things that I'm always reminded of when I see that is they, a lot of times when you're in mortal peril, the whole world slows down to the point where things start to be out of time soon. And, you know, if you've ever, like, fallen off of a ladder or something, sometimes it feels like it takes forever for you to get from where you are to where you know there is an eventual big hurt coming and or a car accident things like that and that scene that they did that number that they did perfectly encapsulates that feeling by slowing down time to the point where it's almost unbearable right you know what's coming and at the same time you want to hear you want to have the understanding of everything that he is going to say but it feels painful to be in that moment so the longer and the more protracted it is the harder it is and to me that the emotion of that scene is i think one of the one of the very rare times in theatrics well in theatrics i'm sorry in in what I have seen on stage as a, a perfect success. I, there's just not that many of them. I mean, I know there are some, but it's just, it doesn't exist often, so it deserves to be celebrated. 
Definitely. I agree. I 100% agree. All right. So, um, the jury, I, I feel like maybe we should, on you know, this is a new show we're doing, Film Freaks. Maybe we should, like, I don't know, do four stars or five stars, whatever, you know, or give some sort of uh, review, um, like, you know, to kind of, I'm not review, but score or something. Uh, I don't know. But uh, how many I, ducks should we give it? How many ducks? <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, out of five ducks, what do you give it, Josh? Um, I, can we talk about one more thing real quick? Uh, dang, you just killed my segue, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I just want to make sure that we actually get to talk about this for even for just a second. Because the duel's not the end um, of the show. Um, we kind of get an epilogue, you know, where you find out some of the things that have happened, like Thomas Jefferson, you know, and, and Madison giving Hamilton his props for the system that he put into place. Thomas Jefferson with his, you know, his line, you know, and I tried, you know, you know to take it apart. Um, but that's when the show focus uh, goes straight to Eliza and what she did you know, after he died, she lived for another 50 years. Uh, and, and all of the things that are mentioned, you know, are absolutely true. Uh, especially, you know, the orphanage. She talked to, you know, everybody that served with Alexander and, well, I guess minus George Washington at that time. Um, and you, you notice in the lyrics that. It goes from, you know, like who tells your story to who tells my story because, you know, who's who's going to talk about Mrs. Hamilton, right? And one of the theories that have been, you know, rolling around is when Lin Manuel shows back up on stage at the end there, you know, supposedly after I have a. Eliza has passed and you know moved on to the other side that she's not um, she's not seeing Alexander at the end there she's actually seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda and he's showing her the audience and, and everybody that uh, is watching the performance and kind of acknowledging breaking the fourth wall that her story is being told and that's why there's that kind of gasp at the end, the realization that she did not get forgotten. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of speculation about that particular moment, that that last second of the actual performance. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, it was it was mentioned before we head out. Very well said. That was some real uh, nerd shit right there. So uh, <laughs> big shout out. I didn't even pick up on that, so thank you. I, I'm at the relook at that again. Um, so uh, no, that's really cool, man. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, pick up on that at all. So, kudos to you for that catching that. You know, cool, 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 cool. All right. So, how many ducks? Out of a possible five. Um, six. So we'll say five. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Jen? Oh, I'm definitely going with five too. 
All right. And I am going to give it a half a, not just playing, five ducks. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the duck is supposed to be about, but we'll figure it out. I'll have a graphic, an on screen graphic uh, for that. Five uh, ducks. Five it's ducks. Because it, clearly, it's because film freaks, we are all quacked up. <laughs> or should it be five freaks, though? Can you really personify a freak? Also, no, I don't want freaks associated. No, yes, no, can. I am not giving freaks to anybody. I'm sorry. No, Why not? That's not happening. Because no. well, look, we I love have more freaks. respect for you guys than that. We love freaks <laughs> in my in my neighborhood. All right. The uh, only reason I said ducks is because there's one staring at me in the streamyard window. And, oh. and, and see, and also, and also, if a film is really good, then they have all their ducks lined up in a row. I mean, come on, we can go on forever with this stuff. Oh Jesus! They didn't duck it up. We can be wordsmiths about this. We got this. Oh, <laughs> can't boy. Really ducking good. <laughs> I'm gonna shut the duck up. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna start with you, Jen. Uh, Jen, how can we get you in social media and all that good stuff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at following bliss one if you like. Uh, you can follow my websites, which are temporarily undergoing some reconstruction at uh, Studio White Wolf and MoviesMakeTheMeal dot com. All right, Studio White Wolf. All right, what about you, Josh? How can we get you in social media and all that good stuff? Okay, yeah, and this is gonna take a second, so here we go. <laughs> If you like listening to the sound of my voice, you can always listen to any of my other fine Simicore podcasts from Simicore Studios. Every Friday, it's the Wadcast, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's writers, actors, directors, where my writing partner, Brandon, and I talk to, uh, on a bi-weekly basis, somebody from the film or television industry and get their life kind of story, their perspective, and how they broke into the biz. That's every even-numbered episode. On the odd-numbered episodes, it's just, you know, quite frankly, us being odd. This Friday, we have a very special guest who I will announce on Twitter. That's at the at Semicore Studios or at Skit Comic or at Wadcast Pod. And the news will be posted on all three of those Twitter accounts. So make sure you follow those. But if you don't have Twitter and you do have Facebook, why don't you give Simicore Studios a like? On Saturdays, uh, it's the Backstage Slams uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just celebrated 200 episodes last night. And that's every Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's kind of the time slot that uh, I have arranged for the Simicore Studios podcast, including... The Netflix every Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. The one that Kente keeps saying he needs to be a guest on, where we talk about everything that's coming to Netflix over the next seven days and get some recommendations, do a little top 10, you know, seeing what's popular in the U.S. Sorry, Canada. But if uh, all that seems a bit too much to remember, go to simicorestudios.com to check out you know where all the links are semicorepods.com to go directly to the podcast or individual pages like backstageslam.com or podcastpod.com all right uh man pretty cool pretty cool um all right if you want to get in uh, contact with me you can go to twitter and uh it's at kente f k-i-n-t-e-f 
and of course uh instagram is kente ferguson uh that's at kente ferguson that's uh, f-e-r-g-e-r-s-o-n of course the website is indyradio.org that's i-n-d-y radio.org all right um Thank you, you guys. Uh, our next show, so uh, our next episode is going to be, uh, what is it going to be, um, Jen? Oh, are you going to put me on the spot? Yeah, I mean, it's your movie. Okay. <laughs> well, Jen's pick. Uh, okay, so I, I'm, I'm really conflicted about this. Um, I, I really want to discuss this movie because I love it so much. But I also recognize that everybody has seen it, and I know everyone already has opinions about it. But I chose the movie uh, by John Borman called Excalibur. And uh, it's, it isn't just one of my favorites. I'll explain uh, why I chose this when we kind of get going with it. Um, it is also kind of a long movie. So, I mean, not super long, but it's kind of a long movie. So be prepared. Oh, wow. So we're going to have to break it up in half. You know what? I don't think so. I, it's not that long. It's okay. just a little bit longer than, you know, a standard. Yeah, we might have to have a time <laughs> going forward. Not we won't do it this one, but maybe, maybe we might have to do that uh, going forward. Uh, no, but it's it's fine. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to do this on Tuesday. I mean, on um, Thursdays, right? Yeah, I think so. So basically at six we will show the show show the movie really we're gonna show the movie on um on get vocal and then uh then talk about it right yeah right after so uh okay so uh cool 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 oh she uh lauren says she remembers that movie all right with all that said you guys have a good one God bless. Thanks for this. This was really fun. Bye.